How does a pre-medical applicant get interested in geriatrics? How did a medical student demonstrate that passion on his application? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Wes, a current second-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got a great guest today, Wes. Um, thanks for coming in. No problem. Thanks and for having me. I appreciate you coming in because you just took a big final. Correct? I did. Correct. What I was did. the final in? It was in our circulation, respiration, and regulation unit. CRR. Yes. And you are a second year med student, so this is the end right before the holiday break. That's right. So what, what, what did CRR focus on? Or what was the general kind of emphasis? So it's actually, I mean, it's actually a really cool unit because it's, I don't know, when I thought about medicine coming in, that this is what I thought about. I mean, this is the bread and butter. This is, you know, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys. So, I mean, the fluid status, the... All the arrhythmias, the EKG, the chest X-ray, you know, all the all the stuff you kind of picture when you think about med school. So it's actually a really, I mean, it's a really challenging unit. I'd say, you know, from, you know, it's just, it really tests your understanding of the physiology and really forces you to kind of get into the mechanisms of some of the, the most complicated parts of the body. But I think it really grows your respect for the body. And I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Awesome. So did your first year medical school here kind of lay the foundation for this phase of the curriculum? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that's kind of the, the point. They're, they're pretty, uh, you know, the first year directors are kind of explicit in saying, look, you're going to see this stuff again. So they try to establish some of the basics, but then we, you have a chance to kind of see everything again. So yeah, absolutely. If I, if I wouldn't have had the first year stuff, I think this would have been mm-hmm. much more challenging. So yeah. Excellent. And how do you think you passed? Yes, okay. I do. <laughs> yeah, that I do. warm, fuzzy feeling. We yeah, yeah. Things, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, it's tough, but I, I'm, I'm sure we all made it through. So yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, Wes, I know you're a family man, correct? I am. Yeah. So wife and kids at home? Yes. Yeah, so I've got a, a wonderful wife. I have a daughter who's 18 months old, and then we have another girl coming in February. So we're going to be, this next unit's going to be exciting. Fantastic. So, <laughs> you know, I get a question, I get questions a lot, Wes. You know, people, you know, our med school, we have a lot of individuals who do have families, you know, husbands, wives, what have you. Like, how do you find that balance? How do you study for the rigors of medical school as well as, you know, being there for your family? Yeah, it's it's a huge question. It was something that was really on my mind, thinking about which medical school to go to, thinking about kind of how we wanted to do it. And I mean, I think a lot of people, I, I'm from Utah and we have some family here, so that's really, really helpful. You know, my wife... Uh, is excellent. She works about once a week. And so the majority of the time she is with our daughter and, and she's trying to keep me uh, alive and, and well, and that's been really good. Um, I guess we just kind of tried to talk about going in what our expectations were. And I think what we heard from a lot of people who were also in similar situations when we were applying is that you just kind of set a schedule and then you just try to keep it as much as possible. And I don't pretend that we've done a perfect job at that by any means, but I think the weeks that we have said, okay, look, I'm going to be gone from this time to this time. And then when I come home, setting everything down and really being home, I think that's really, I mean, what we've noticed basically is that for my wife, she doesn't need a lot of time as much as she needs quality time. And so even the nights that we've been together for three or four hours at the end of the night, 
she's not as satisfied with our conversations or our interactions as, as much as if I gave her 30 minutes where I put my phone away, I stopped checking emails, I stopped thinking about, even just thinking about school or whatever, but actually was there. So I think just being able to compartmentalize a little bit helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like planning a schedule, sticking to it. And I mean, are you someone that's able to, I mean, do you recommend studying at home or do you study at the library or where do you do most of your studying? It's a good question. Um, I found that I can do some stuff at home, but it really, I mean, at the end of the day, it's much more helpful to not, you know, at the end of the day, getting up to campus early, you know, even before this year, we, we have classes at eight. And so, I mean, if you can get up there before to do a little bit and then class, and then really, if I can get all my stuff done before I get home and just leave it at the door, then I think that's, that's been when we've been most successful. Do you have time to like pursue like hobbies or exercising and that kind of thing? Or like, how's that work? Certainly. I mean, I think... I'm a, I'm a pretty religious guy. And, and so my wife and I made a determination that we were going to try really hard not to put studies on Sunday. And so that's something that, you know, it's a, it's a big sacrifice. It requires a big time commitment on Saturdays and on Friday, sometimes Friday night, you know, whatever it takes to really make that happen. But we've, we've been able to successfully kind of keep Sundays as a family day and a a day to attend church and things that we feel are important for us. And and that's something that has kind of helped us balance that. Excellent. Cause like, I know most of the tests here are on Mondays. That's true. So, I mean, you raise a good point. I mean, I think a certain percentage of the class, I have no idea what the number is, Yeah. but prefer not to study on Sunday for yeah. whatever reason. Do you think that puts you at a disadvantage or advantage or how do you kind of look at that? You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of ways to look at it. I, I have a lot of classmates who, you know, are equally religious or maybe even more so than me. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, for their family, they felt like they studying on Sundays completely uh, what they would, what is appropriate and what they'd like to do. And mm-hmm. so I don't think it's necessarily delineated by religious you know, affiliation or, or anything else as much as it is your personal family style and what you, what you feel is best. And I don't think it's put me at a disadvantage. I think, um, there have been this, this week in particular, I think, maybe every morning I've been up at two or three in the morning starting to study for the next day, you know, because I just wanting and, you know, to try to be ready for the exams. But I think, um, I've been ready and, Mm -hmm. and, and I've been able to do, I think as well as anybody else. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, you just kind of do what, what works for you. You know, I think, I think not taking a break and I think not having time set aside is, 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 would end up hurting you, I think, more than anything else. Going back to what you said earlier, Wes, I like how you said that second year so far has been what you thought medical school was going to be like. Yeah. And I remember when I went through medical school, uh, to me, and you can disagree or agree with this, I found the first year to be very, you know, like scientific principles, a lot of core kind of graduate science courses. Sure. Not till the second year did like more of the medicine kind of, kind of click and all kind of coalesced. And then that kind of builds upon third and fourth year. Would you kind of agree? I think that's, I think that's generally true. And I mean, I think people they'll see when they come in to the school that it may even be more kind of along the phase one and phase two, you know, phase one at at the university of Utah is the first four months. And that's very much like you described. I think this uh, hard science really kind of getting you into the, getting everybody on the same yeah yeah getting everybody on the same page and then and then i think even starting january of that you know that first year even it Mm -hmm. technically is the transition to phase two as they call it and 
um, you know, we started into molecule cells and cancer and that did get, I mean, it, it was much more uh, the clinical side of things, but I mean, honestly, the even first year I was amazed and I loved how clinical everything was. I mean, of course they're testing biochemistry and whatever, but with the integrated curriculum, I absolutely, I mean, this is what I always wanted. I mean, this was what you're looking forward to. You go to your undergrad university and you're thinking, I love medicine. I want medicine. And even from day one of first year, yeah, we were talking about the Krebs cycle or whatever else, but it was in the context of a 56-year-old man who presents to the clinic with this, this, and this. And I mean, it was just everything you could ever want. It was fantastic that way. So Awesome. Well, let's well, so start in the beginning. You're a second year now. Um, what tips do you have for people out there who are thinking about applying to medical school or in the process of applying right now? You know, I think medicine is something, you know, I, I guess, like Dr. Chan said, I'm coming right out of a final that was really, you know, it really was challenging. And I think this whole unit was one that really made you think, you know, did I, do I really want to be here? You know, not, not that it was like, oh, I don't want to be here. But it, it made you think like this medicine's hard work. I mean, as any other field would be. And so I think it, it was good for me to have spent the time thinking about it, shadowing, kind of learning and, and realizing, yeah, I want to do this. This is what I want and being committed to that, you know, and I think it wasn't so much that I had so many things in a variety of areas as much as I was, you know, I think committed to what I loved in medicine and I was committed to exploring that in medical school further. And, and now that I'm here, it's kind of a driving force to continue pushing when it, when it gets tough, you know? Yeah. So how did that commitment come across in your application? How did you demonstrate that when you started applying to different so medical schools? For me, I'm kind of, I, for some reason I, I have just a strong interest in aging and older people. And so for me, my application was really focused on that. You know, I think, um, I did a lot of, yeah, I did geriatric research in my undergrad. I did CNA work. I did hospice volunteering, you know, and I did, um, it was a really good mixture. I mean, yeah, that's a really good diversity of experience. Yeah. And I even, I mean, I even did a gerontology minor in my undergrad, you know, and, mm -hmm. and all of those things kind of, I guess what I did was I tried to show that maybe I didn't do everything, but I was very committed to the thing that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And I showed that I, could explore all areas of that and I could um, be successful in a lot of different, you know, aspects of that. Mm -hmm. And likewise in medicine, you, of course, you're not going to know everything about medicine, but you're going to specialize. You're going to find out what you love and then being able to show that you're committed to learning and doing the best you can at that area. I think that's kind of what I tried to do. Yeah. That's excellent, Wes. I mean, not too many people have a background in uh, geriatrics, geriatrology. Right, where, right. where did your interest come from? That how did you kind of pick that up? I mean, where did that where that come from? Sure. So, like, I mean, I think it built off. I think medicine, like anything else, is you know, it's you as a good doctor, your life experiences have built who you are. You know, I think that's my opinion. And so, I grew up with a family. My parents really emphasized respect for the older older generation. You know, I think we had neighbors who were older, and you know, we were up in the morning before school shoveling their walks. And I mean, that was something that was big in our family. Our grandparents, if they needed a drink of water as a seven year old kid, I would, you were the one that got up and got mm -hmm. it, you know, that was kind of the culture. And then, you know, I served a religious mission in Cambodia and the, the culture as an Asian country, you know, not, I mean, not to generalize, but in Asia, it seems like a lot of the folks are much uh, more focused on, I don't know, respect taking, to the aging, yeah, you know, care of yeah, elders, yeah, listening to them. exactly. Yeah. And I felt, I thought that was something that was really powerful and really impacted me and, and continued to make me think about it. And as I got back from that experience, 
you know, I thought about, I love medicine and I love aging. I love older people. And so I thought, what if, what if there was kind of a mix of that, you know, and then I started to explore that gerontology coursework and then I got into CNA work, which focused a lot on older folks and then hospice and, you know, et cetera. And it went geriatric research went from there and that's kind of where it grew and grew and grew. So that's excellent. So, you know, I'm not going to hold you to it because you guys don't have a couple <laughs> years. But today, are you thinking about going to like internal medicine, geriatrics, or what are you thinking about? You know, I actually am. I, I mean, I think, like I said, I was probably unique. Maybe not, but I was one who who thought about that going into med school, and you know, have continued to pursue it. I'm currently one of the co-presidents of the geriatric medicine interest group. You know, I'm, I did geriatric research with the medical student training and aging research program over the summer. And, you know, I've got a medical, I'm going to be presenting, uh, if I get accepted to the American geriatric society meeting in May and, you know, so yeah, I'm definitely pursuing that. And I, and uh, yeah, an internal medicine residency probably, and then maybe, a, maybe a geriatric fellowship. Yeah. So, well, that's amazing Wes. So, um, you know, like I, again, people, you know, before you're in med school, you have all these questions like, what's it like to be a med student? So, you know, what what has been the best thing about your first year and a half here? What's been the best thing about being in medicine, medical school? You know, honestly, like it's like I like I mentioned earlier, I think the material is absolutely incredible. Like I I think most people, if they're applying to medical school, probably have an appreciation of the body and respect its complexity and mm -hmm. its incredible efficiency and everything. And I think that's only grown, which I've just loved, you know, and I just love this material. And I think, um, you know, and that aside, I've loved the commodity of, of, of our class, you know, like in, in undergrad, you kind of, you go to a building and you go to this class with 50 or 2000 people who you depends what university yeah, you go to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, and you, and you maybe know one or two people, but you never see them again. And then you go to another class in another building and, and you're kind of everywhere. But this, the way it's structured is you sit in the same chair for four hours with your same classmates every day, day in and day out. And Oh my gosh, like I know every single person in my class's name. I know things about them. I know what they love and what they don't. I mean, everybody is so diverse and different, come from different backgrounds. And like, that's been just absolutely rewarding. Like everyone has struggled at some point and everyone's lifting each other up and helping. And like, I mean, there's some talk about the, our school has a uh, uh, mandatory attendance policy and, you know, whether or not that's a good thing or not. But at the end of the day, I've seen all my classmates. I know them. I've mm -hmm. talked to other people who meet their classmates on graduation day, you know, and I think that's, that's mm -hmm. a little bit unfortunate. Personally, I feel like yeah. the things I learned from my classmates are incredible. So I've loved that about our attendance policy does make us somewhat unique, but I know other medical schools are, are, you know, going towards this or are considering it, but yeah, you're right. Because, you know, when I think back to my med school days, you know, to use your example, I don't yeah. think about the Krebs or citric acid cycle. Yeah. I think about my classmates. Yep. I think about those relationships, the camaraderie, getting to know them. And yeah, you know, during the first couple of years, it's a lot of classroom type environment, small groups, things like that. Yeah. But then during your last two years, it's like taking call together. Yeah. You know, and no, that's true. And teams together. And, and that's what I really love about our medical school because, again, like the tenants policy – you know, there are exceptions or excused absences for illness. Of course, of course. Like yeah. But for the vast majority of time, uh, you know, the students are expected to be in class and we've really tried to step up and encourage, you know, the professors to bring their A game. Yeah. And it's really helped with the students being there. Well, and I think that, and I, exactly. And I think that's the point. Like, um, 
if if a professor knows he's going to show up and there's six people sitting randomly and a and a you know a tumbleweed goes by like he's not going to want to he's not going to want to lecture and like we have top quality lectures we have top and and I also and I kind of made it sound like we sit in the same seat for four hours but I that's kind of a miss that was kind of not actually true you know maybe one day a week if that we'll have four hours of lecture but there's always small groups there's always um, labs and whatever and so so the what I really meant is like. There are so many different groups that I've been in that I've literally interacted in in a group of five to ten with probably every single person in my class, you know. And so it's not just that the six people that I happen to sit next to I get to know, but it's like you have case-based learning groups and pathology mm-hmm. groups and anatomy groups and whatever. And so I have a different relationship with every one of the members of my class, whether I would have naturally, you know, been – in their clique in high school or not, like mm-hmm. I know them all, and I think it's fantastic that way. Now, as a side note about you know you, you talk about your seat, there are a certain percentage of the students that sit in the exact same seat. Sure, <laughs> no, some they're kind of wander throughout the classroom. Sure, and what, what, which one are you? Which camp are you? I actually am a wanderer. Okay, uh, yeah, so you sit in different areas of the classroom. I do. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? But oh the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like there's there's some people who you know you don't sit in that spot because that's their <laughs> that claim for the past year and a half. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I think yeah, I've actually liked to do that. I actually mm-hmm. have bounced around from the back to the front to the right mm-hmm. to the left. You know, and I've kind of. You know, you say, you you know, as time has gone on, I've settled in more to certain areas I like better mm-hmm. to see and whatever. But a I geographic think, region, yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. I certainly, yeah. Mm. So, well, on the flip side, what's been the most surprising or challenging thing about medical school? Something you didn't anticipate, or something that caught you off guard? Hmm, that's a good question. I should have thought about this more. I know, putting think. you on the hot spot. Yeah, let me think. You know, I think. I guess I mean I guess undergrad is amazing because you you get a lot of a lot of topics and you are expected to do a lot of things to prepare for medical school. I mean you have to you have to have shadowed, you have to have done your research, you have to have done you know your clinical experiences and different things and and I think I guess I expected it, but it's just, there's a lot to know, you know, <laughs> like it's just, I mean, I the guess, amount of material. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise, but I mean, just like in undergrad, you, you're still expected to continue to learn everything. You're still expected to do research. And so it's just, I mean, you ask about time management and things, you know, and it's a, it's a constant process of, of reevaluation and, and, and growing. And so I, I guess it's just, there's a, there's a lot out there, you know, and I, and, and in some ways coming out of undergrad, you know, I was able to excel and, and do well in a lot of my classes, you know, and, and, and really get an A grade and a lot of tests and different things. And, you know, and that hasn't always been the case here, you know, <laughs> like there's yeah. been some units where, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're happy to come away with, you know, a passing grade. And, and I think, um, you know, it's just there's a lot out there and you find that some things come easier than others. And, and that's OK, you know. And I'm, I'm, you know, I like how you said, like how everyone struggles intermittently yeah. and – I think that's true. I mean, you talk about like, you know, you take a group of people who were usually at top of their class, sure, sure, undergrad institution they went to, sure, and we put them all together. Yep. And yeah, people are going to struggle on tests. People yep. are going to not be at the top of the class anymore. And yep. It's kind of that interesting dynamic. And I, I remember that very distinctly. That you know, like I had my weaker areas, definitely, definitely. yeah, and. You know, but I was able to kind of mask that in college just because, you know, I was really good. At okay, sure, tests. sure. But then you come here and all of a sudden, like, wow, everyone's a game. And, yep. and, and everyone's just kind of, you know, I felt at that time, like, oh, my gosh, like that person's a lot smarter than me. And they yeah. just know what they're talking about. But there's that there's that 
realization that like you know what i'm no longer like yeah you know the cream of the crop sure just with sure a bunch of people who are all the cream yeah and so so it sounds like that's kind of similar to what you experienced yeah you know that's exactly what it's been but but you know the flip side is like because you're with so many great people like and so many different strengths like everybody does help each other and that's what i like i mean there's been a lot of camaraderie there's been a lot of uh collaboration and i think it's been it's been cool. And, I, and to speak to the to the school, like um, to put a plug, I mean, I just feel like so I, I knew going into there's a unit that's in particular called host and defense, which is um, that's my, immunology. Yeah, yeah, it's immunology and microbiology. And I knew going into it, I had literally zero background in both those subjects. I mean, immunology, I I mean, maybe had been introduced at some point in another class, but I'd never taken a formal immunology course, never taken a formal micro because I did molecular biology instead. Anyway, so I knew that this was going to be a particularly challenging unit. I approached, I approached the unit directors, and I approached kind of the the um, dean's office and some of the staff that they have involved, and and I was able to get a tutor off the bat. You know, a fourth year student who had excelled in that unit, and I was able to get some help. And you know, and it was a tough unit for me, but I was able to do fine. You know, I was able to come through it just fine because. You know they really made, they they bent over backwards to make it possible for me to to be successful, and I think that's been the case. Uh, various students have struggled in various units, but I think the school is invested in you. I mean, they they want you to succeed, and so if you're struggling, they're going to bend over backwards. I mean, they're going to hook you up with whatever resources you need. Classmates are going to be there, and I, I mean, it's a it's a team effort. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, and since you're sitting here, Wes, I assumed you passed host in defense, right? Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's a happy ending. Yes. Well, I guess the last question I have for you, Wes, and I appreciate you coming in. We're almost out of time. Is, uh, you know, we were talking earlier before I turned on the podcast, and you mentioned you're part of some different committees. What, what committees are you involved in? So I am a member – well, so yeah. So last year I was in class leadership, okay. and which was, which was fantastic. And then this year um, I um, – applied for the curriculum subcommittee, the phase one and two subcommittee. So, so what is that? So, what, what, what does that mean? Cause I, you know, like people no, sure. ask me like, you know, like, cause like, I think there's a lot of interest in medical education out there. And I, and I, and I like to tell people like, you know, there are opportunities Definitely. as a medical student to like sit in on these committees, but I'm just curious what that looks like from your vantage point. Sure. And so, yeah, that's a great question because I think, I think students, you know the, the University of Utah is extremely receptive to student feedback, and mm-hmm. and as evidenced by they they have students sitting not only on their subcommittees but their primary curriculum committee. They have mm-hmm. students, and so our role as students is to is they consult us heavily on on what is the perception of the class on these things, and how would a student perceive these different changes that we're thinking about or improvements. Mm-hmm. And so I have a chance to sit with a classmate and I. We go to their monthly meetings and we participate in um, deliberations on you know changes to units or upcoming. Um, Can you give us an example prepar- of like yeah, something that think. kind of presented to you? So let me think here. We, I mean, even most recently, they were evaluating scores on the the board examinations from the previous classes, and yeah. whether the uh, way that we're testing, like assessment, um, whether multiple choice, whatever, is is actually reflective of what it will be on a board examinations, and how those outcomes are matching up, and and you know, we had a discussion on that, and then. And then, I mean, but every month we're able to bring up issues that we as a class that we gather from our classmates, like, you know, this, this pathology, uh, organization could be improved a little bit this way. Or, you know, we've really appreciated the way the course directors have done these reviews every week on the main points from the materials or whatever. We've been able to bring up those topics 
and all the course directors from all the units, whether they're currently teaching or not, you know, whether they teach in the fall or whatever, are all there. And so everybody can kind of share that knowledge and, and get that feedback. So. so do you email your class that, you, hey, I'm about to go to this committee meeting, email me your feedback, or do you just kind of talk to them? Or like, how does that look like? It's been both. It's, okay. Yeah, we've definitely emailed and asked for specific remarks. We've done everything from setting up like, you know, Google Docs. Uh, questionnaires ourselves asking people trying Mm -hmm. to gather data to bring we had some uh thoughts about pathology and how it was being presented i I brought that up earlier and and we you know surveyed the class with with all the different ideas they had and and got their open-ended feedback and kind of gathered that and presented it to the course directors and there were some great changes that came from that you know so i think the 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 administrators are very receptive to our feedback and excited to to continue to try to improve so it's awesome excellent well, Wes, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, and uh, good luck with your poster presentation. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I hope you have a good break. It, looks, it sounds like you've earned it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.